So I wanted to take us on a journey through the song Remedy. There are a couple reasons I like to start with the song. Remedy functions as a communal response to the individual prayer of Stolen, the song we explored to open up our discussion on prayer. And Remedy features not only Ryan's voice, but the voices of 300 participants. Let's first look at how Remedy is the response to Stolen. Are you ready, Monica? Yeah. After going through Stolen, I'm ready to hear something more positive and a little more hopeful. Yeah, me too, Monica. First, check out the sound at the beginning of Remedy. Do you recognize that sound, perhaps, from a song we heard last week? Is that the music box sounding thingy? Yes, the kalimba. At least it sounds like a kalimba. The instrument we heard on Stolen, I believe that choice was purposeful to musically thread together Stolen to Remedy. As Ryan told Pop Matters about Remedy, quote, there's a connection to the previous song on the EP Stolen, which ends with these lines. May the sound of our voices ringing out with a song of great delight, a cheer loud and clear, the last thing in your ears as you hear what you stole stolen from you, unquote. And if Ryan is connecting the lyrics between the two songs, it seems likely that he also made those connections in his choice of instruments. Let's listen to the Kalimba and Stolen. And then in Remedy. Very cool how that kalimba sound further connects the two songs. Extremely cool how he does that. But beyond that kalimba association, how does Remedy become the response to Stolen that is a great delight, a cheer, loud and clear? Well, Ryan, inspired by participating in the Women's March with his wife, put out a call on social media on March 21st, 2017. And this was the post. Quote, sing with us. We're creating a massive choir. Spread the word and lend your voice. Posted a link and then hashtagged it, Sunlux Remedy, unquote. That link went to a page that included audio of a basic piano and click track and two written vocal parts. Curious about the process that participants went through, why they participated, and what remedy means to them. So I reached out on Twitter and Instagram to see if anyone was game and discussing their experience, and no one was. What? That's totally lame. I'm joking, actually, Monica. (laughs) I was actually able to speak with a brother and sister who partnered together. Uh, I'm Christian Edborg. And I am Brielle Edborg. I I, I think it was was either on Twitter or I got an email uh, from Sonlux saying that there was this amazing opportunity to be on one of their songs. And uh, I've always been a fan over the years. And, um, so I was all on board for it. I was just getting into like Ableton and recording myself because I was finally starting to be self-expressive. I was all on board for it. So I started, I did it, email or tweet. It said they needed a high and a low voice. And my sister is an um, amazing singer and artist. And so I was like, you know what? She'd be perfect to do the high. And so I sent it to her and she got it all 
she nailed it and Ableton and sent it in. Yeah, I was really excited. I have always been a fan of Soul Mux as well. Big of a fan as my brother, but uh, let me know about this project. And I was like, hey, would you want to do it? Um, I was totally down for it. The entire idea of like the, the project was um, that it was this huge community, 400, uh, about, it was like 400 or even less uh, singers either in this giant chorus, um, if you will, sea of bodies and breath, like the song, and how the message was that even though there's so many of us trying to find our voice in this huddled mass of seas, we're all this huge community also working toward the same goal. And then there's, there's just so much power in that. From each of ourselves in a selfish way is that we're all trying to figure out life and find where we're going and find our meaning and, and have some sort of purpose. And from our own we feel there is have some kind of purpose but when you you know think of the world and the gal we are smaller than a speck of dust smaller than we we have no importance at time so it's really cool to see how everyone struggles and, and it, it brings a sense of community by not feeling alone do you, do you feel like it has some sort of healing aspect in that community I think so. Yeah, I think for everyone, whether they realize it or not, being, I mean, from a psychological standpoint, every person wants to feel belonging in some sense, um, to be part of community. And even if you're not searching for a community, having the opportunity to just come together with other people and do, whether it's record a song or just do something, it's, it's really cool. And it's, and it might seem mundane, but it's actually kind of magical how there could be like just this community of people like you never even know you like you, you could in your life um, you just be a fan of a band and the message that they're putting out like for instance so much maybe hey this band you're not alone in there's for instance 400 other people leave the same message as you and it's kind of very powerful when you all come together and uh, preach that message into a song you come out with this not over important no over self-importance but it's just you feel like you're a part of this community Oneness. Yeah, exactly. How did you all approach singing the track? Was, I, I remember when they put out the, the tweet about it and I looked at the page. And, did they, they have that scratch piano track? Yeah, they when they sent it out, it was him um, and the piano backing with a, I think there was a four clicking for the tempo. It was just him, the low and the high. And depending on whether you're singing the low or the high, you could listen to it and record along with it. And it was very simplistic and not at all like having normally things, um, which is like kind of shattered and uh, emotional. So he just kind of did the bass of it. Yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting. Like uh, the recording, I think my sister sent in, uh, was just the very basic aspect of it. But even even that, even just with me and my sister and, and uh, Ryan singing, it was really- Yeah, it was, it, the melody is very um, simple and almost, like a child nursery rhyme. So it was, it was singing it natural, singing it came with like a natural, um, a natural feeling because of the melody that we didn't really have to like figure out a certain way to sing it. Just that the simpleness, I think, um, was what they were looking for and, and what it really sounded like on the final track as well. And in their tweet, or in the, they sent parameters with, with the audio files and everything, saying, like, 
they don't want anyone to go crazy singing their own individualistic thing. They wanted it to sound like a sea of voices singing the same thing in the same kind of way. So you weren't supposed to, for like the O section, like go way over like some Celine Dion stuff. Is that how you all approached it? Is that you got all that out of your system and then got into like a somber place or a calmer place, I guess? Uh, I mean, for me, it's probably entirely different for Brielle, but I've never recorded anything before. Okay. Um, And I feel like I sound my best when I'm not trying to give, like, overgive myself and Mm. just being simple. So I kind of just simply, like, just calm down, uh, listen to some soul much beforehand, and uh, then just kind of recorded it and did it, listening to his voice in my ears and just letting it come out of me. Yeah, just, just hearing his sample, it was really easy to know, I guess, how to sing it. Uh, like I said before, just the beauty and simplicity of the melody portrayed exactly the emotion I think they were trying to get. So there was no, like, I, I didn't have any specific approach, I guess, just matching his feeling. Did you have any other thoughts on, like, what the song means to you all? Well, I mean, I think the the final song, the out, um, the final song came out way different than, like, I was expecting only because we had his scratch track to go off of with a simple piano track. So I wasn't expecting, um, I guess, you know, there was nothing to expect. I didn't know what it was supposed to sound like, but it's very haunting, the final track. And I really, at first I was kind of like confused about it, but um, it's, it's, I really like it. Most simple, I guess it's still, it is really simple. and it's haunting and harrowing, but not in a scary way, I guess. I don't know how exactly to describe it, yeah, but I really like, like when it. When I listen to it, it's like, it's as if we're all trying to go, we all have our own individual demons we fight and these battles we have um, with these problems, whether it like be struggling to pay rent or struggling with anything in life. It's about coming together and trying to find a remedy to each of our problems or even as a nation, a problem we're facing. Because I know Ryan Lott, felt really strongly about the election. But for me, the song really meant that um, trying to pull through a really incredibly difficult problem for, say, our children's and daughters' sakes or or coming together to be a better person through something, it can mean a lot of things. Even the beginning of Remedy is kind of shattered. And it all forms together to this final thought that, hey, we can pull through whatever's going on. Exactly like the state of the world right now, I feel like. It's crazy how healing music can be, and to bring together 300 voices in a time that is so divisive is truly inspiring. Agreed. Also, Brielle and Christian graciously shared what they submitted to Sun Lux, so we can hear an example of where these vocals began. Find your voice in the sea of searching bodies and breath. how these 300 voices were meshed together in the final product. Free us from their lungs, our children's daughters and sons. To find a remedy, to find a Oh! 
I love the way in which the voices respond to Ryan, and there's really a give and take. Much like you'd actually hear in a church that practices song liturgy. Here's a clip from an Eastern Orthodox service to give you an idea. Did you notice underneath the singing that percussive sound? Yeah, what is that? What you're hearing are the chains from swinging a hanging sensor burner, a usually gold-plated, highly decorated, kind of egg-shaped container that burns incense during Orthodox Mass. And check this out. Listen to the percussion on Remedy. Find your voice in the sea of surging bodies and breath. To form a melody. To form a melody. Whoa. The similarities are striking. Yeah, this percussive sound just further cements in the concept of liturgical practice and remedy. But let's now hear from our contributors. This is Flickers. Thematic explorations of the good, the true, and the beautiful in music. I'm Monica Hauer. And I'm Matt Linder. We're continuing our thematic exploration of Sun Lux's music. And this week we're looking at, if you haven't already figured it out by now, liturgy. First, we're going to hear from Damon Hale on 40 Screams, then Chris Carnati on Surrounded. And lastly, Blake Collier on Stand. Remember how we left off prayer with 40 Screams and that we were hopeful that Damon might be able to solve the interpretive puzzle that are those ghost lines? Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, so let's dive in not only to hear if Damon was able to understand those lines, but to see how he relates to this song, to liturgy. The thing that really got me was the lyrics. When he says, is this the future standing over me? Will it grow? Will it burst with sour blooms? What can it, you know, what can rise from a, such a seed? You know, I mean, Wow. <laughs> that right there was just like, just blows me away. Is this the future? Standing over me. Will it grow? Will it burst with sour blooms? What can rise from such a seed? And just the, the music itself, it just sounded like a, just a religious experience to me. Just the music, you know, the way it was playing. Another one that just had me in his own. Yeah, I think at the end, I think it, it, 
it had a build up all the way at the end when it when he goes uh, scream uh, love scream love scream love that's the reason why I you know I tied this song to like a religious point because I think in the end that's what God is you know that's what he wants you know and I feel like that's like screaming for God you know um He's saying, you know, I had wanted a better world for you. Scream love, scream love, scream love. So that's how I took that as more of a religious thing. Um, again, I try not to go too literal, but thinking a deeper way when I was like in the song itself, that's what really captured me for the religious view of it. Scream love. You know, I, I, I can't get that part out of my head. A little bit before that part where it has the young ghost in an old body the music dramatically changes there. Like, what did you, what, what did you make of all that? Oh yeah. You know what? I'm still thinking about that one because I can't grasp what he was, what he was saying there. And it's funny cause I'd actually asked my wife cause I was like, I, I just can't see what he's trying to say here, but she didn't get a chance to really listen to it. But, um, that was another deep part that I thought was just like, you know, what is he trying to, you know, what is he trying to say? Or maybe it's not even, you know, maybe it's not that deep, but I don't know. It's something I really, you know, want to keep checking out or see if, you know, see if he, um, see if Ryan talks about it in any interviews or anything like that. But, but that one, that one portion stood out to me. Well, actually two, you know, the scream love at the end and then the, um, the standing over me, will it grow? Will it burst? Will it sour bloom? You know, that's just like, you know, it's just life, you know, it's like, is this my reality right now? You know, is it going to, you know, this what my life's going to be like the next 40 or 50 years, you know, and if so, is it going to, is it going to burst? Is it going to be sour or is it going to grow into something beautiful? You know, I mean, that lyric right there was just like, whew. Will it grow? Will it burst with sour blooms? What can rise from such a seed? disappointed that we're no closer to understanding what those lines mean. I have a confession, Monica. I've been holding out on you. This is one of those rare instances where Ryan tells us what he was thinking when he wrote those lines. Here he is on Face Culture being asked about the lyric. A young ghost in an old man's body caught in between the throat and lungs. Where did this line come from? What place were you in? Um, yeah, an old ghost in a young body. Uh, there's a parallel line that follows about, um, an old ghost in a young body. Um, there's a, definitely a lot of contemplation of, um, of life and death on this record. Um, what it means to what it means to grow old and what it means to become young. <clears throat> and uh, uh, so that lyric in particular, I was thinking a lot about um, a friend that I was, at the time that I was, I was losing um, uh, to cancer that was just slowly 
taking him. That took a deeply depressing turn that I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, and that's why the interviewer didn't really press any further on the topic. Understandably so, as Ryan is still clearly grief-stricken from losing his friend. So like the interviewer, we'll just leave it to listeners to take that all in and ponder how those lines related to the rest of the song. I had wanted a better world for you I had wanted a better world for you If I can't bear to see it through Moving forward now to Surrounded, here's Chris exploring uh, how the song acts as a sort of negative liturgy. Almost like shadowed connection in that I think liturgy primarily functions here as almost a negative thing. Uh, So not like a religious liturgy, but I think that there are some wrestlings that are going here, going on here uh, between Ryan Lott and the past. It's just like very dark. Like there's this like kind of proclamation that starts, I am not my father's son, I don't belong to anyone. And then there's this struggle that happens in the courses, I think. Like you're losing yourself, slowly disappearing, already gone, endless. Um, you're losing yourself, slowly disappearing, caught in your skin, surrounded. I am not my father's son. mind does talk a lot about liturgy in the sense that oftentimes when people participate in some sort of liturgy they're being not so much actively taught but passively taught by their surroundings so just the actions that their body goes through or the things that they hear or the things that they taste the things that they touch uh just over and over again you're surrounded by these things and then taught to be something through those things and I think that in this instance, that the that the teaching isn't like a, a good thing. It's a negative thing. Uh, I go through this thing every single time and I'm being surrounded by it. And it's more like uh, an experience of being caught than an experience of freedom. There is kind of like the door that's left open at the end of the song. When he says history deletes itself, holding on to something else, history deletes itself. History deletes itself. We're holding on to something else. History deletes itself. We're holding on to something else. These words, I think, can also mean that of liturgy or through other forms of surrounding that he sees uh, there's this truth that um, his history or his family history or whatever he's referring to in the song that he leaves open-ended that we can thoroughly identify with. So that history, that negative history, deletes itself 
as you're being surrounded by other things, like as we're holding on to something else that we're trying to depart um, from this negative history that we might have uh, and that this negative history that he might have actively depart into another way of living. And I think that, again, this ties back to fatherhood and having a child, obviously reading into it here, but I think that we can all identify with ways that our parents have brought us up that we didn't like. Uh, and there's obviously degrees to that. There are some people, uh, there's some of us that have very, very difficult uh, pasts with their parents or family figures as he has this child. <laughs> As he has this child, I think that um, as any normal sane human would be, he's afraid of doing those things to his child that have happened to him. Um, and the way that I, I think our our families work, we often do carry those things with us into uh, future relationships. And also, I assume, like when we have children, and that's an extreme danger that he's legitimately afraid of. So, yeah, I connect that with liturgy in the sense that uh, there's so many surroundings that are going on and that he does have help that as if somebody holds on to something else, then this type of history will delete itself. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I might not be. I think that like the the way that his voice functions, like does kind of follow these things of like I just labeled them like proclamation, struggle and truth. Um, that I think that those things kind of play out in how his voice wavers. I don't belong to anyone. And how his voice kind of uh, follows a more direct line. You're losing there's like this this reminder like he's singing to himself and to us it's like i'm not my father's son i don't belong to anyone i mean a very different context but uh, a strong reminder to the swimming pools by kendrick yeah the voice modulations throughout there and yeah what voice is saying what just like kind of an internal conversation that's all going on in somebody's head um, but it's definitely different parts of us. Okay, now open your mind up and listen to me, Kendrick. I'm in your conscious. If you do not hear me, then you will be history, Kendrick. I know that you're nauseous right now, and I'm hoping to lead you to victory, Kendrick. If I take another one down, I'm going to some poison. Proclamations, struggle, and truth. All of which Blake sees in Stan, which so has a more positive trajectory leading towards truth. And that would work for liturgy because, like I said, his early stuff, especially his first two or three albums, uh, are full of uh, songs that are basically repeating phrases or repeating a handful of phrases over and over again. Stand being probably the most likely culprit uh, of the repetition of a phrase because that is literally the only phrase he says throughout the whole song. The phrase is, you stand between me and all my enemies. I just think about the Psalms of David as he's lamenting to God about the enemy, his enemies being all around him and God being distant and all these things and, and how he always comes around to this understanding that the simple truth that 
ultimately, if if God is with us, then who can be against us? And so if we stand stand with God, then he he is what is our buffer, but also our impetus to quote unquote put our weapons down and to 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 forgive our enemies. Because I don't think it's necessarily just a war phrase. I think it's a a hope for reconciliation between us and our enemies. If God is between us, then then reconciliation is his aim. Liturgy is the practice of reciting words that have been passed down through ages. They are meant to center our hearts and minds on the necessary truth of the gospel. It's not just repetition for repetition's sake. It's both a means of memory and of meditation of the truth God has given us. Um, as we all know, repetition is helpful for remembering things. Uh, it's how we all learned Bible verses when we were kids. It's also how we uh, made that passing C in college, uh, remembering all the chemical formulas, things like that for chemistry, finals, and various other subject matter. Uh, and so repetition has a place, and it's it's meant to be something that lodges in our memory and holds true to us, uh, and it's something that we can look back on and recall and then we can we can lean on the truth of that thing that we recall. So stand is this one line repeated over and over again. And the only difference throughout the song is that the music changes as the uh, the words are said over and over. Sometimes the words drift in and out, uh, depending on how rushed or how chaotic the music becomes. But what I find fascinating is that the music itself shifts the emotional quality of the words, sometimes makes the words more immediate, uh, especially in the more chaotic moments, the percussive elements, like up against the operatic uh, singing in the background. drops away and it's just the angelic voice in the background uh, soaring behind Brian Lott's words and I just love that uh, that voice in the background uh, forcefully coming through even in the chaos of that percussion once again a reminder that truth and beauty uh, show up through the chaos of the world and through the darkness of our our minds and hearts and the noise that constantly tries to overtake us Earlier on in the song, the percussion is so uh, chaotic. It's it's almost like a jazz composition in some that To the to the normal listener, to the to the normal ear, it sounds random. <sighs> it's not. There is. I don't think there is a random uh, element to it. But that's the that's the feel it gives, uh, especially like up against the very beautiful operatic singing in the background. It feels feels like a weird juxtaposition that they're fighting each other. And what I like at, towards the end, in the final moments, before it quiets down again, uh, you hear the percussion come together, uh, finally, in a pattern that is more determined, uh, and it kind of falls in line. 
take that and I and I concentrate on the words that he says. And as we consider the words and and because it's the nature of liturgy to do this, uh, things have a tendency to start making sense. Things kind of fall in line. I just like the way the song is formulated. It starts off soft, it ends soft. Uh, it becomes chaotic in the middle of it. And then it, the percussion falls into line before it, it goes soft again. And so it's this cycle. It's a complete cycle. And, and it's something that we kind of emotionally get as human beings, uh, that we all have those, those quiet times that end up in chaos and then that chaos becomes ordered. Uh, before the quiet starts again. And so, and then to hear those, that one phrase being said the whole time in the quiet moments, in the chaotic moments, and in the harmonious moments, we never forget that phrase and that truth. Um, I find a lot of beauty and a lot of truth in that, that composition. Beauty and Truth, something we'll hear more of in part two of Liturgy, which is available to listen to now. Shout out to this episode's contributors, Damon Hamm, Chris Carnati, and Blake Collier. And special thanks to Christian Edberg and Brielle Edberg for telling me about the Remedy experience and sharing their submission. That was really awesome of you two. And if you're interested, in Brielle has a actually a self-titled album available on Spotify, wherever you get music. I'd recommend checking out the upbeat, dancey, and light-themed Catch a Star for You. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Help boost it up by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to tell everyone and anyone you know who is a Sun Lux fan and also those who are not fans yet. This episode was produced and edited by me, Matt Linder, storyboarding and scripting assistance by Armani Peterson. And me, Monica Howard. Just